Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Holly Stewart. Holly Stewart is the education specialist for Foldscope Instruments and former eighth grade science and design teacher in South Carolina. Her passions include finding new and innovative ways to provide access to scientific tools to students everywhere because she knows that when students have access to the wonders of science, they can discover new scientific concepts through inquiry and learn science by doing science. In addition to her out-of-the-box approach to teaching science, Holly successfully implemented the GRID method into her teaching practice and is currently a Teach Better Team Mentor Ambassador. Holly's married to her high school sweetheart and is a mother to three children. When not working, she enjoys traveling and being outside with her family. Some of their favorite outdoor activities include hiking, running, biking, and gardening. Her indoor hobbies include reading, writing, and learning more about sketch noting and drawing. Welcome to the podcast, Holly. Hi, thank you very much for having me. So um, we've been connected for a while, and we met at the Teach Better conference in October. Uh, And so we'll be talking a little bit about some of the things that you've been doing for the team. But tell me, first of all, a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out. I think that, unfortunately, I think that as teachers, that everyone has one of those in the trenches kind of moments. Um, I know that for me, it's actually the the thing that led me to the Teach Better team. So it was a year when I was teaching um, in eighth grade in middle school, and I had a section, there was one of my sections that I just, I could not figure out how to be able to reach all of the students in this one class. There was quite a variety of, um, you know, learning levels, um, the, even the language barriers. I had several students in that class who spoke no English, um, you know, that they, they had just moved to South Carolina and, you know, put into the schools. And so it was trying to find support for everybody. And it was really burning me out because I was trying so hard to reach everybody that I really at the end of, you know, when I really stopped to think about it, I kind of didn't reach anybody because I was trying so hard to just do something. Um, and so I had a colleague who said, you know what, I, cause I was, I was frustrated and I was honestly, I think at that point I was thinking I'm, I can't do this whole education thing. Mm-hmm. I need to just walk away. I need to find something else because if I can't be there for my students and give them what they need, somebody else needs to come in here and do it because it just, you know, it wasn't fair to anybody. Um, but I had a colleague who luckily she, she saw the, uh, basically how low I really was. Um, and she said, you know what, we need to figure something out. And so she introduced me to the teach better team. She said, there's this group on Facebook that I want you to follow. And I want you to read this book. And she gave me the book teach better. Um, which if you're familiar with it, that is the book that really describes um, Chad Ostrowski, the the founder of Teach Better. It really describes his um, creation, his journey that led to the creation of the grid method, which he used in his um, in his classroom. And so I, I read the book and I was just like, this is exactly what I needed. I really needed to 
not just have someone to commiserate with and say, oh gosh, yeah, I'm so sorry. That's really tough. I needed an actual strategy that I could use. And that was the first time that I felt that something was given to me that I could actually take it and put it in place and run with it. And I did. And it was, it was honestly one of the greatest things that, uh, the greatest decisions that I made in my classroom, because when I instituted, or I guess not instituted, when I started using the grid method, I had a strategy that let me reach the kids who knew the content, or at least had a basic understanding of it and were ready to go and try something with it and apply it. But I could also at the same time reach my students who had never heard of any of these words before in the vocabulary associated with the content. And I could get everybody working on something that had everyone learning. And it was truly, it was that class, it just did a complete 180 for me. And uh, I just, I was on fire again and I was ready to go because I had something that actually worked. And I used it in all of my sections, not just that one class and everyone, all of my students really thrived using the grid method. For people who aren't aware of the grid method, if you can just talk a little bit about how you implemented that into your science teaching. Yeah, so the way that the grid method works is it is a, um, it's based on Webb's depth of knowledge. So you have different levels that uh, you create assignments or tasks for your students to work on, all related to the same content, but you might have a student who's starting off at level one who needs that basic recall type of information. So you're just kind of practicing the vocabulary words, doing activities that get them familiar with some of the basics of the content. Level two is a little bit deeper where you're going more into, and I apologize, my printer just turned on for some reason. Okay. Um, so level two would be more, your students know the vocabulary words. They kind of understand what the concepts mean, but it lets them start to apply it and it lets mm -hmm. them actually use that science content. Mm -hmm. And then level three, again, you're going deeper into it. So it just helps you to be able to keep everyone working on the same content Okay. but at different levels. And it, it's a great thing because students can also help each other too. So if you have a student who's on level two or three and they see that the person sitting next to them is, is having trouble with a level one exercise, well, they can help them. So it gives them that sense of ownership and that sense of you know pride in their ability to be able to you know, not only do the lessons for themselves, but to help their peers, which also helps them learn it more because- you know, learning, teaching is the best way to learn something, so. Mm -hmm. And you said also as a science teacher, um, you did some informal science outdoors uh, with field trips. So talk to me about what you helped students discover outdoors. Yeah, so before I actually got into a classroom teaching setting, I had started off um, in the world of education with informal education. So I worked, um, I had two different, two different positions that I had been in, but basically it was field trips where students from the surrounding school districts um, would bring their students to a location, whether it was, you know, through the woods or, or to the river or to one of the gardens and the, you know, the parks that we have around town. 
And I would teach the students science, but the classroom was the outdoors. Okay. So when we went to, you know, when we went down to the river, we were doing um, water quality analysis by actually having the kids put on the little, you know, the boots and everything. We were walking out in the river, turning over rocks and we were doing macro invertebrate um, surveys. So we were actually looking at the critters that were swimming around in there. And there's a lot that you can find if you go out, take your hand, stick it in, a, in the water, flip over a rock. There's all kinds of stuff that's, you know, crawling on the bottom of those rocks. And those can be indicators of uh, how healthy the water is. Um, so we would do things like that. We also looked at um, the aspects of like weathering erosion and deposition when we were walking through the, uh, walking on trails through the woods, you'd be able to see very clear evidence of um, soil that had been weathered and eroded away. Um, I was able to teach how the plants and the and the roots of the trees helped to keep the soil intact. And you can see the areas where there weren't any plants that that soil had been washed away, but the areas where there were plants that the soil stayed there. So it was helping them to, again, see that content in the real world around them. So giving them that experience with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely the hands-on and, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's good to have partnerships with outdoor ed companies that, you know, have um, specialists available to, you know, walk kids through some of those discoveries. Um, yeah. And, yes. you know, you definitely get a lot more kind of seeing that um, in person than just, you know, watching a video or looking at pictures. Right? So. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, the kids had such a good time on these trips yeah. too, because for, you know, there were the, the time, it was a lot of kids, this was their first time, you know, like walking through the woods, yeah. you know, and they have more of a feeling of apprehension when it comes to being outside because there's that fear of the unknown. Oh, I don't like the bugs or I don't like the spiders or, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's all that kind of, oh, I don't want to go out there. But once they saw me having fun with it, it had kind of helped to trickle down to them and then they would have fun with it. And then, you know, so it was just this big snowball effect that everyone enjoyed themselves, which made the learning a lot easier because it wasn't so stressful. So you left the classroom uh, this past June, you transitioned to your current role as education specialist for Foldscope instruments. So tell me a little bit about what Foldscope is and how teachers can use those instruments in their classes. Okay. And first of all, I just have to say fold scopes are amazing. <laughs> In my completely unbiased opinion, because I said that even before I started working for the company. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the basic premise behind the company of Foldscope is it is um, it's a company that uh, their the flagship product is, and I'll hold it up right here. This is a fold scope. It is a paper microscope. Um, and a lot of times people will look at this and they'll say that is not a microscope. So if you can see, I have on my lab bench behind me, I have an actual microscope that's up there. That's mm. what people think of when they think of what a microscope is. But this is a microscope too. Um, and the inventors of the Foldscope, their whole um, kind of like the whole idea that they had behind it was they wanted to make scientific equipment that was something that was able to be used by anybody. They didn't want to have that, you know, that, that barrier to access the whole, the problem that we saw a lot of with the, uh, with COVID um, in schools was that issue of equity. You know, there was a lot of people who had what they needed were great and everything was fine, but the people who were really struggling and didn't have access 
you know, it was it was more of a problem. And we've seen this for a long time, especially in science classrooms. And I'm not saying that other content area teachers don't have their own struggles. Just from my personal experience in science classrooms, it is hard to be able to come across equipment that you can have for these giant classrooms. You know, the I had I had one class one year that had 32 kids. Mm -hmm. There's no way that I could have had 32 microscopes for my students to be able to use. But for something like this, you certainly could. So the um, it was uh, started by Manu Prakash, who was a professor at Stanford. He's still at Stanford. And one of his graduate students, Jim Sabalski, and the two of them, and was really with the whole group, but Manu basically said he charged his research group with the objective of coming up with a microscope that was something that you could use in the field. It did not require any kind of electricity and no, no extras or anything like that. He wanted something that would work that was easy to use too, because there's also that intimidation factor that a lot of times people have with scientific equipment. Oh, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to break it. I, you know, all these little knobs and buttons. I don't know what everything does. Um, and then also excuse me, also to make it something that was affordable, because that's the other thing too, with scientific equipment, it's expensive. You know, so he basically said, I want all of those things, but I don't want it to be a watered down version. You know, mm -hmm. something that, yeah, it's great. It's something that everybody can have, but it doesn't work really well. He wanted it to be also something that was high quality. So with that group, what they did was they came up with this and the thing that is wonderful about it is it's all, it's made out of paper. So you can see I'm sitting here bending it and everything. So it is completely made out of paper. There are, you know, you, I could, I, I won't go through all the different parts of it, but it has all the parts of a microscope on it. They're just, they look different, but all the parts of a microscope are on it. And it has, it's folded up. So you put it together origami style, but you can hear, do you hear that little click there? It's held together by magnets so that you know okay. that you can take it, you know, and you can shake this thing and the slide isn't going to fall out or anything like that. So it's going to be just fine the way that it is. And with it, you're able to actually get 140 times magnification, which, you know, when you think about a normal, um, like a lab bench style microscope, you can get anywhere between usually 40 and 400. So this is, you know, right there in the in the middle, giving you that 140 times magnification. And you can use it straight out of the, you know, you can use it just like this. So I do have a slide that's in here and I'll show you what it is. So you're able to see that that's a leaf. So it uses just regular, you can either use glass slides or you can use um, paper slides even. So if you have little kids that you're working with and you don't want them, you know, using glass, you mm -hmm. can use paper slides as well. Um, and so when you put the, you know, when you put your slide in there, it gives you these amazing images and the other, there's some other features that are with it too, that it lets you, so you can use this and you can look through this and you'd be able to see the leaf magnified. You can see the cells in the leaf. Um, I'm going to, because we're on a video, I'm going to use, I have a, an artificial light that lets me okay. do this. You can also hook your phone up to it, which okay. is a wonderful thing, because when you're looking at, when you're looking at stuff, you know, the, the thing that everybody's like, oh, that's so cool. And then everybody wants to be able to see it, but you can only look one person at a time. 
So I have, I've just got another magnet on the back of my phone. So you can see my fold scope shaking it off. It's not moving or anything. It lets you see it. And then this, if you blow up your screen, so you can see those, those cells that are in the leaf. So, and again, it's something that you can, you know, it helps you to be able to share it with everybody. Everyone can look at it. If you've got something that's swimming around, you can record it swimming around and moving around. It's, just, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So this is my, this is my new area of passion that, um, mm. you know, having this as a tool to be able to get into the hands of kids mm-hmm. is really something that means a lot to me because in my classroom, I was the one who I liked to say that my classroom was controlled chaos. <laughs> you know, kids were moving around, everybody was doing stuff and doing different things all at the same time. So I was very hands-on and very much an advocate for getting tools into the hands of kids. And this is a great way to be able to do that. And it does it in a very like This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Non, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's not scary. It's not intimidating. You know, it's just something that this is really cool, but it's an actual real piece of scientific equipment. You know, so it's it's giving you like the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely something that is affordable if teachers mm-hmm. want to buy those for their classrooms. And you provide training. You said often via Zoom or um, some districts in your area you'll travel to, but. I know you did a um, breakout session at the Teach Better conference. And um, so definitely um, people can reach out to you. Um, we'll talk about where to find you online at the end. But yeah, I think it's a neat tool. Like you said, it's it's really when we're talking about equal access and um, something that kids can take. Um, do you recommend teachers to let kids take that home, uh, especially if they're wanting to look for things outside the classroom? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because one of the things that I really like about this is that, you know, and again, I didn't even talk about the price point of it, but he, uh, Manu's goal was to have something that cost about a dollar was, was his ultimate goal. And this uh, fold scope that you're, that you're looking at right here, mm-hmm. it's a dollar 75 is okay. the cost of parts and everything for, for making a fold scope. Um, so it is very affordable. And I like to think of it as in the same way that you wouldn't go into a classroom and, you know, you wouldn't stop a child from taking home paper and pencils and crayons and other things that they need to be able to do their work. I wouldn't want to stop a a student from being able to take home a piece of science equipment that lets them take the science out of the classroom and be able to have those real world experiences with it. You know, I mean, I think we've all been, you know, somewhere like, what is that? You know, it's something that's really, really tiny. And I wish I could see what that really looked like. And this gives kids a way to, a way to be able to do that, you know, not just in the classroom under the direct supervision of a, of a teacher, but Mm -hmm. imagine all the things that kids could come up with to do with this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so exciting to like, think of like how kids light up when they're looking at things and, you Mm -hmm. know, opens up a new world for them. Um, So in the bio, I talked about you being a teach better uh, mentor ambassador. So this is a program the teach better team opened up uh, in 2020. Um, And as of recording, they have the 
ambassador application open, but that'll be closed by the time this episode comes out, but usually it opens up once a year. Uh, so tell me a little bit about what um, your experience has been like as a Teach Better ambassador. Um, I know they have 12-hour lives, um, so they have one coming up around the time this episode will be out. So kind of what is your role and, um, you know, how have you, um, you know, been connected and just things that you've done as an ambassador? Yeah. So I, like I said, I got connected with the team through the, you know, the, my trench of experience in the classroom. And really it was 2020 when um, everything was shutting down and teachers were just scrambling like crazy to try and figure out what can we do, you know, to still keep teaching and reaching our students while we have all of these barriers that are up. And I did not apply the first time that they had the uh, the, the first round of ambassador applications. I, I had that the moment that everybody has at that moment of, you know, self-doubt and, oh, I don't know, I'm still, uh-huh. I'm new to this whole teach better thing. And I don't mm-hmm. have a ton of experience with the grid method. I just know I've done it in my classroom and but, you know, I still stayed connected with them. So I was doing, I was watching the daily drop-ins that they started doing um, when everything shut down in March of 2020. Um, I started joining in, you know, because I was an active participant in those, you know, they had invited me to be on. So I've been live with the team several times. Um, I've been on the daily drop-ins. I've done the, when when Jeff and uh Jeff and Dave were doing the brain breaks on Wednesday nights. I joined in with them a few times. Um, I also did uh, participate in one of their 12-hour lives. Um, So, you know, just doing a lot of things like that that helps you to connect with other teachers um, and be able to, it's a great program because it helps you to become a better teacher because you've got, you know, access to all of these amazing educators with all these ideas and strategies And it also helps you to get your voice out there and help others to become better too, because, you know, there's a reason why everyone has a gift. There's a reason why we got into the world of education, right? And we always joke around and say it was definitely not for the fame and the fortune. (laughs) There's there's gifts that we all have that we bring to our classrooms. Mm -hmm. And you never know your gift might be just the thing that somebody needs who's, you know, not just in another district, but another state, you know, across the country or something like that. And through the Teach Better team and the ambassador program in particular, you know, I've found that I've been able to, they've helped me to amplify my voice. And then I've been able to also help others amplify theirs. Um, So, yeah, so I joined, I did decide to, the second time they had the opening for the ambassador applications, I did send in my application and I became an ambassador and uh, I've been blogging with the Teach Better team as well. Um, and it, I think it was because of the fact that I became the amb- one of the ambassadors. I was like, yeah, maybe I should try to start blogging, you know, and, you know, again, just you have this voice, you have this message. It's a great way to be able to, you know, to put it out there. Um, and then after, after doing that, I said, you know what, when they opened up for the lead and the mentor ambassador part of the program, I was like, okay, maybe I should do this. And it was funny because I had been toying with it. But then I decided in May, like you said, I left the classroom to start working for Foldscope. And I had actually reached out to Ray and and Megan and Andrea. And I was like, I don't know if I should still be 
an ambassador because I'm no longer in the classroom. And that's where they, you know, made it very clear that the ambassador program is not just for classroom teachers. It is for anyone who is involved in any way in the world of education. And because of the fact that I still do work with teachers and I'm still creating content for teachers, they're like, there's no reason why you should not be, you know, an, an ambassador. And there's no reason why you shouldn't apply to be a mentor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I did. And I'm I'm now one of the mentors. And um, like you said, I know that when we're recording this, the, the new ambassadors have not been selected yet, but hopefully by the time this airs, I will have um, some, I'll be a mentor ambassador mm-hmm. for some of the, the new people who are mm-hmm. joining in. Yeah, yeah. And it's excited. It's like um, kind of passing the torch or, you know, um, sharing your wisdom and knowledge. I know every day there's new people discovering the Teach Better team. I just watched. Um, so I usually catch those live streams after the fact that I was watching the Sunday broadcast and they were talking with somebody who was in college. Um, Dre. Oh my gosh, yes. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, having um, people on that are not even finished with their education program at college, but really, you know, he's, he has a podcast and talking mm-hmm. about how, you know, he's really um, connecting with educators and, and doing things uh, just as a college student. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's um, a lot of us are pretty experienced educators, but when we're also connecting those who, who are new to the field, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you did mention a little bit about your blogging for Teach Better Team. So, I think you said you had a science better teach better blog because some people mm-hmm. I, I just blog what you know whatever comes to heart and I don't have like a specific theme they just post my blogs but I know yeah. you and some others I've had on the podcast have like a theme so uh, you mm-hmm. said mostly you do science better so talk to me about mm-hmm. maybe an article uh, that you're re- writing I know you also uh, do bold scope blogs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the whole writing thing it I started off and I just kind of wrote a couple of a couple of blogs for them and they you know they had a science kind of theme to them because I'm writing about what I, my experience is in and so my experience is science and so then I was like you know what I need to do because they you know they're always encouraging people to have that series you know do a do a blog series you know have it come out once a month and it you know helps you to really do that reflecting of those best practices because you can if you have to write about it you've got to intentionally think about it mm-hmm. and so it's like oh, okay how about we do science better so you know going along with the whole teach better theme and uh so yeah so i've had my blog with the teach better team for over a year now um that it's called science better um and it is it's a combination of things some of them are things that I have done directly in my classroom, you know, that's something that worked really well for me. And I was like, you know, I need to tell other people about this. And some of them are more, a little more like bigger picture kind of things, you know, for just thinking in terms of best practices. Um, One of the ones that really comes to mind was a two-parter that I did. I was a big proponent and still am of interactive science notebooks. Okay. I think that those are so important for students to have. It teaches them so many, um, so many skills beyond just learning the science. Um, So I, and every year, every year I made, you know, little tweaks to it, little tweaks and I got better and better and better. And I was like, you know, I don't want someone who's new to this to have to go through all of those years of iterations of a science notebook, you know, like I had to, I'd rather just put together the list of 
things that worked for me and, you know, the explanation of why not just because, you know, sometimes you get like those checklists. It's like, you know, don't use markers, use pens, don't use glue, use tape, whatever, you know, kinds of things. And what I did was I just I said, OK, here's what worked for me and here's why. So that way, if you have a different situation with your students, you can say, OK, well, I can see why this worked for Holly. But for me, I'm going to go with this because da 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 or maybe you're like, you know what, my classroom sounds like the same kind of thing that Holly had. I'm going to go with what she recommended and see how it works for me. You know, so it was so that was that was one of the ones I think that was a great one to put out there, because, again, hopefully and, you know, if you haven't read it and you want to go back and find it, it's in the Science Better series. But hopefully that'll save people a lot of like frustration and everything that I had gone through in the beginning to be able to start off at a at a better place to be able to continue getting better from there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's great to um, be able to kind of tap into those resources uh, for people mm -hmm. that have questions, like you said, topic-based questions, science better, yeah. or school culture is something I've written on a lot, or, you mm -hmm. know, connecting with um, families and other stakeholders. So, you know, people could just kind of um, search when they go to teachbetter.com slash blog, and they can kind of search in the toolbar what type of blog they want to look for. So. And believe me, you will find every possible topic <laughs> imaginable in there. There's so many great blogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and something you do for uh, full scope as well, you write a little bit, you um, talk about maybe the next generation science standards, um, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit about people's understanding of that um, for the teachers. That's a part part of the role that you have as well. So yeah. did you want to talk a little bit about how often those blogs come out? And is that something people have to um, be a member of the Foldscope or um, be be a subscriber? How do they access Foldscope uh, blogs? Yeah. yeah, so I have um, I have two blogs that I'm currently writing. As of right now, I have two blogs that I'm writing for Foldscope. One of them is called Foldscope in the Classroom. Okay. And it has lessons that you can take and, um, you know, it gives you a topic and talks about, you know, it gives you the procedure for the, you know, for the demonstration or the activity. Mm -hmm. um, and it does, of course, tie in a fold scope. Um, and I'm trying to get with, with that one, I'm trying to help expand people's perceptions of a microscope as being only a biology tool for when you're studying cells. Okay. Um, I really want people to understand that um, it, you know, that it is a, it's a scientific tool that can be applied in so many other ways. Um, so I just, I had written one um, last month for, well, I guess to be specific in October, <laughs> put it that way for when the, because we don't know when this is coming out, but in October, I wrote one that was all about convex lenses. Okay. So it was talking about optics and, you know, the electromagnetic spectrum and wave properties, but it was using a microscope to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so just teaching different ways that you can, you know, use a different concept in science, but see if there's a way, because again, this is a tool that you can have out all the time, the same way you do a pencil and paper, use the tool. You know, there's a lot of different creative ways to do it. So I'm trying to help teachers to be able to expand their horizons with scientific tools. Um, so that's Foldscope in the Classroom, and that comes out once a month. And then I also have another blog that I'm writing called Foldscope Explores. And that one is kind of covering 
more of a variety of topics. Um, it can be anything science related. It is not specifically related to microscopes. Okay. Um, I just did one because uh, the one that I that just actually published yesterday, um, or I guess on Monday, the 21st, uh, was all in preparation for today, which by the way is Fibonacci day, it's November 23rd. Um, mm -hmm. The Fibonacci sequence is the series of numbers that you get the next number by adding the previous two numbers together. Okay. So when you start it, it's one, one, two, three. So 11, 23, November 23rd. So that's the, uh, that's the, the origins behind Fibonacci day, but I just wrote a uh, full scope explorers all about the Fibonacci sequence and finding that you might've seen like those spirals that, that are shown. I'm we actually wearing my Fibonacci necklace, but oh, it's nice. the, the little <laughs> spirals <laughs> that grow exponentially and get bigger. Um, but you know, you can find that pattern mm -hmm. all around you in the outdoors. So, you know, it kind of gave ideas for where you could go to find it, where you could look for it, how you can create that spiral and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So again, that one comes out twice a month, okay. um, but it's on those kind of like bigger picture, um, kind of science topics and things like that. So, and you do not have to, um, you don't have to like create an account or anything like that to be able to access the blogs. They are on our Foldscope website. And so when you click on the, it's just www.foldscope.com and okay. there's different links on there. And one of them is to the blogs and you'll be able to, you'll be able to see them there. So anybody can read them. And we do, you know, I try to promote them on social media too, to make sure that people are seeing them. Okay, great, great. I'll definitely include that in the show notes. Well, we've had a great conversation today about your role as a science educator, how you've used the grid method, how you found, stumbled upon the Teach Better team and started using the grid method in the classroom. And now your role as a um, specialist for Foldscope instruments. Um, out of everything we talked about, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? Um, I think that just with, for me, my, my big thing is, that I don't just want people to learn about science. I feel we need to have a scientifically literate society, but I don't want people to just learn about science. I want people to get out there and do science. Um, so I, you know, I would love for there to be more, for teachers to find more ways to be hands-on in their classroom so that your mm -hmm. students are doing science, not just reading about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really important to remember. Like we said, get out there, explore. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Where can people connect with you and find you online? Sure. So my um, my email is if you have any questions at all about Foldscope, I am holly at foldscope.com. So that's nice and easy to be able to find me there. And then I'm very active on Twitter and I am at Holly A. Stewart. Um, and it's, and so for those of you who are listening, it is S-T-U-A-R-T because people get confused on the spelling of Stuart, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's at Holly A. Stewart on Twitter is the, is a great place to connect with me. Um, follow me. If you have any questions, you can DM me. I post lots of pictures of my microscopic discoveries on there too. So you can see all the wonderful things you can discover with a Foldscope. Great, great. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the Out of the Trenches podcast today. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, too. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. Get it now at amzn.com.
dot to slash three b seven two z again amzn dot to slash three b seven hx two z check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media please subscribe share rate and review wherever you download this podcast Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC. Mm-hmm.